River, Alaska. For our first Sunday in Lent, our readings this morning come to us from Genesis chapter 2, starting at verse 15, and then chapter 3, 1 to 7. Psalm 32, our second reading is from Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 19. And our gospel comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Well, peace be with you. Well, friends, on this first Sunday in Lent, we are given quite a feast to feed upon. Even though many of us have decided that during this Lenten season we will give up some type of delectable delight, say chocolate or perhaps caffeine, and my favorite, sauerkraut, the authors of the lectionary readings have provided for us choice food for the soul. Now, in no way, shape, or form in the next 15 minutes will we come close to finishing this sweet and savory feast. I mean, look at the feast before us. Genesis chapter 2, Psalm 32, Romans chapter 5, in Matthew chapter 4, these each alone are worth a lifetime of reflection, meditation, and application into our lives. And so may I encourage you to dig out your Bibles this afternoon and into the rest of the week even, and allow your eyes to gaze upon these texts, and then bite by bite, scrumptiously fill up your souls with the words of life. Nevertheless, it is Sunday, so for the next few moments, I will attempt to lay out an attractive appetizer from Genesis 2 and Matthew 4 for you to begin to whet your appetite just a bit. At the end of February, in the land of the midnight sun here in Alaska, we begin by reading, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till and keep it. Oh, how many of us long to be in the midst of a garden to till and keep it. Genesis 2 goes on to say that in the midst of that garden, God commanded the man, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden. Now, before we lose that thought and rush on to the next thought, like we normally do, Let's savor for a moment the command of God to the man to freely eat of every tree of the garden. Or before we think about the prohibition, let's consider the command of permission. God had freely given to the man and the woman the permission to eat of all of the trees in the garden save one, to freely partake of all of God's good creation. The church fathers took the luxuriant foliage of the garden and its fruit as representative of all the forms of human flourishing, the arts, the sciences, politics, friendship, etc. Today, we can only imagine, long for even, a world in which human beings are this fully alive with the glory of God. And in the story of the Bible, we do not see this opportunity presented to human beings again until the final chapters of the book found in the book of Revelation. Of course, that's another sermon for another day. 
Now on to the prohibition. But, the text from Genesis 2 says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. These verses are, of course, some of the most, if not the most, studied words of all time. And the biggest question, perhaps, of all time is why? Why does God even put this tree of prohibition in the garden? This is one of the juiciest bites in the feast that is set before us today, is it not? The short answer is simply the ability to choose. Without this choice, human creation would merely be puppets in the Garden of Eden. Yet God, our God, is much wiser than a mere puppeteer. God allows for his creation to have the freedom to choose their own destination, their own desire. Unfortunately, this decision to choose our own destination, our own desires, has led us to death. Of course, there was a snake in the garden. The liar, the evil one, entices Eve with the notion that you will not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so with that freedom of choice, Eve first partakes of the fruit, then invites Adam to do the same, and suddenly, in the blink of an eye, the innocence and beauty of creation in the garden is lost. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew they were naked. The depth and meaning and understanding that now the humans knew the difference between good and evil is fully revealed in the thought that they now both are naked. I don't care how good one looks naked, standing out in the open, alone and afraid and naked is no place for anyone to be. Now, on a cursory reading, it is obvious that, in fact, after partaking of the forbidden fruit, neither Eve or Adam physically died. But on a deeper level, it is extremely obvious that they died in some other way. And that death meant that they were now separated from God, separated from each other, and soon to be separated from the garden and the tree of life. Oh my, now what are we to do? Never fear, God, our God, has a plan. And that plan is not only for the humans, but for all of God's good creation to be reborn, to be renewed. Now from the good news then, the Gospel of Matthew. After Jesus was baptized, he was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Here I want to first notice that the playing field Jesus entered onto, that Jesus entered into, wasn't a garden, but a wilderness. Then to level the playing field even further, Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And afterwards, the Bible tells us that Jesus was famished. Once again, we read words from the Bible that have been studied, torn apart, meditated on, and written about now for centuries. And of course, the big question is why? Why would the Spirit lead Jesus into the desert of all places to be tempted by the devil? 
Why couldn't Jesus have stayed, say, on the edge of the wilderness, on the edge of the playing field, and by mere fiat simply said, Satan be gone with you? No, instead God, our God, enters the ring of humanity to confront the challenge of the choice once again. You see, something deeper, something more sinister happened on that day described in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden. Not only did Eve and Adam have their eyes opened and saw that they were naked on that day, but all of creation somehow died on that day. And God, our God, came into this world, then born of the virgin, became flesh and dwelt among us, not only to restore the relationship between humans and Creator, but to also restore all of creation to a right relationship with God, and to most importantly, to once and for all defeat sin and death. And so the first round of this struggle, this war really, between pure evil found in the Satan and the love of God in the person of Jesus, takes place after 40 days of fasting in the wilderness and once again a choice between serving self or serving God is laid before humanity. Only this time the choice was to serve God. And so after those 40 days, I won't say that Jesus easily passed the test, but being tested with the opportunity to choose bread over the word of God, to choose a shortcut to glory, over putting God to the test, to choose the kingdoms of this world over becoming king of his Father's new creation, Jesus takes evil dead on and comes out of the first round a victor. Our warrior God, Jesus, chooses to keep in right relation with the Father and is not distracted from his mission nor his goal. Jesus enters into the first round of the battle with sin, death, and the evil one and wins. Rest assured, the evil one would be back. He'd return and back in full force with words from Peter telling Jesus he would not need to suffer and die. Words and wounds from the high priest, words and wounds from the Roman governor, and then the accusation from the crowd when Jesus was on the cross. If you are the Son of God, release yourself and come down from that cross. Well, so what? Sounds like you might know what you're talking about there, Reverend, but what about me? First, when we are faced with a choice between right and wrong, good and evil, we now see that we have a Savior who has gone before us and has made the right choice. We are oftentimes, when presented with an opportunity to choose, we are so easily felled by the power of a piece of chocolate, a cup of coffee, a hot dog with a sauerkraut on it, or worse, the opportunity to murder one with words to covet and then take our neighbor's good name or goods, or worse, to turn to an idol, overturning to our God. When we are faced with these choices, we have one who has gone before us and has made the right choice, walked down the proper path, denied himself and taken up his cross, 
modeling for us what right looks like. You and I now have not only one to emulate, but we have been given the same spirit of Jesus to meet those choices ourselves. So gird up your loins then and garner the strength and courage to face our fears, our doubts, our choices. Face them with the spirit of the living Christ which lives within us today. Second, our God is a warrior God. But God doesn't come with rocks or sticks, spears or guns, bullets or tanks. No, our God comes to take on for us what we cannot fight, and that is sin and death itself. Jesus is willing to enter into the ring, walk the way of the cross, undeservedly suffer and die, and then victoriously rise from the grave and leave sin and death defeated in the tomb in his Number one weapon is that of the love of God. Thus, we are no longer saddled with the prospect of the grave. No, we are no longer on a journey from life to death. We have been reborn and are now on a journey from death to eternal life. Third, as Jesus comes forth from the grave in bodily resurrection, He is the first fruits of new creation. Therefore, just as one man's trespass led to condemnation and death for all, that is what Adam did, so one man's act of righteousness, that is what Jesus has done, leads to justification and life for all. And that all is not just human creation, but all of God's good creation Now, because of Jesus' choice, we now have a relationship with the God of heaven. We now can live in right relationship with each other. And soon, all of creation will be restored to, to new creation and right relationship with God. So, hear the good news, my friends. You who are in Christ, you who have been baptized into Christ's death and resurrection, you who have been born again by the renewal of the Spirit, you are a new creation. The old ways have gone, the new has come. This Lenten season leaves behind the choice of sin and death. Embrace the choice, your choice, of life in Christ and live a life of new creation. Amen.